DEI budgets are under attack, but the goals haven't changed. Whether you're looking to increase your DEI knowledge, expand your market reach, or gain a competitive advantage in business, we have the solution. TDM Library is your single source for expert curated DEI resources, strategies, and solutions, all designed to help you transform your workplace culture and be a more effective contributor. For $9.99 per month, you get access to our searchable subscription-based digital library. There, you'll find articles, practical how-to guidebooks, podcasts, award-winning micro-videos, and more than 700 Q&As designed to help DEI practitioners, thought leaders, and executives create a more inclusive workplace. Whether you prefer to listen, watch, or read, we have the resources for you. TDM Library goes beyond the basics to dive deep into topics such as inclusive language, the business case for DEI, talent acquisition, and C-suite engagement. For less than the price of a sandwich, you get access to our library of more than a thousand pieces of original expert curated DEI content. Join today and get your first 30 days free. Get your library card now at tdmlibrary.thediversitymovement.com. You can't stop me, nothing's gonna stand in my way. You're listening to the High Octane Leadership Podcast with Donald Thompson. The world is shifting around you. None of us were trained for this changing environment. You need high octane leadership and an empathetic world before your business is swallowed alive. This podcast focuses on actionable, hands-on tools you can use to become a high octane leader today and grow strong leaders throughout your organization to survive tomorrow. Join me along with global C-suite leaders, rising stars, ambitious entrepreneurs, and other leaders from across industries as we dissect, interrogate, and redefine high-octane leadership in an empathetic world. This podcast is your home for uncovering the tools, lessons, and strategies you need to push your leadership to the next level. Welcome to this week's episode of High-Octane Leadership. This is a real doozy. This week, Don and I are going to talk about some of the stories of what made him who he is today. You see, Don grew up as the son of a Division I football coach. Amidst all that discipline that you would expect, there sprouted a young entrepreneur. They're great stories, and I think you're really going to enjoy them. If you're in your car, keep your hands on the wheel. Don't let go, even as you're chuckling over these stories. If you're like me, sitting in an oversized leather chair right now, pour yourself another drink and enjoy the stories. Don, I have read so much about your dad. I feel like I've met him, even though (laughs) I haven't met him. But I probably have seen your dad on the sidelines because I grew up in Western PA and was an obsessive Pitt fan and eventually went to Pitt. So in high school, I was watching Pitt while your dad was coaching. I used to play basketball at Dan Marino Park on the uh, south side, so right outside of Oakland. So we have, a, we have a lot of things in common, and I love the stories about your dad because if you grew up in the 70s and 80s, you knew somebody like your dad. Maybe not at your dad's level, but you knew a coach who was a hard ass. <laughs> I want to hear about 
the spanking that you got that you claim to this day you didn't deserve. The spanking I didn't deserve. <laughs> yeah, I still get pissed off talking about this. Um, my dad was like loving father, present as much as he could be in the type of job. My mom, amazing. I think about together as a team and raising me and my sister and just how thankful I am to have that family unit intact for that amount of time. But we were in Pittsburgh, we were living in Bethel Park. So this is suburbs of Pittsburgh, right? So big new job, Nazan going to live in the suburbs, got a house, grass, all this stuff. And Pitt's a franchise now. Yeah. Pitt's joining yeah. the big time. That's right, like big time college and your dad's football. part of that. Dan Marino's Heisman Trophy candidate, um, just, you know, a big deal, yep. right? In terms of college football. I remember vividly uh, getting a note home on the bus. Every kid on the bus, so 30 kids on this bus, right? We're acting bananas. Bus driver is like, you need to sit down. Kids were throwing stuff. They're like, you're not my mom. I don't sit down if I don't want to sit down. Just like, just. And there's a reason why so many TV shows and movies have the wild bus scene yeah, from the 80s. Because yeah, that oh, was a real thing. Because it was a real thing, right? It was a real thing. So I get home and this note comes in the mail and I walk in and my dad's reading this pink sheet of paper. And the reason it's pink, you got to think about this thing notes from your teacher of discipline are in triplicate, right? So the pink version <laughs> is for the parents, the yellow version is for the school, and they kind of pull <laughs> off that, whatever that paper, that duplicate paper is. Yeah. So that dates me, that just dates me. But anyway, I go in and my dad's like, go to your room. <laughs> and I'm like, yo. And he didn't say hello, how's your day? Like, I'm, I'm thinking, why are you home? Right, like, why aren't you trying, you know, whatever, right? So I go to my room, he was like, I got this note from the school. And I was like, but dad, and next thing I know, bow, bow, bow. <laughs> Belt is happening, it's snapping, right? It's snapping, right? Like, I'm like, yo, man, I, I look at him and I'm so mad because I know what the bottom part of the note says that he didn't even read. <laughs> I would not cry. Like, I was so pissed off, I would not cry. The reason this whooping was unjustified is at the bottom of the note it said very clearly that every child on the bus got a note to ensure proper behavior on the bus. No individual child is singled out, but the bus as a group needs to behave better. At the end, my dad says, do you have something to say for yourself? I said, read the full note. <laughs> He read the note, he looked back at me. Oh, my bad. <laughs> my bad? Yo, man, I need an apology. This wasn't a time you called social services and all that stuff that kids can do today, man, but I was, I'm still, I'm, I'm getting some kind of way right now talking about it, right? My, my bad? I was like, nah, man, we need to do better than that. It's like, yeah. He said, you probably did something else I didn't know about. So we'll just put that for your, on your credit. On your credit. Put that on your credit account. Yeah. I was like, I'm sure he forgot about that on, yeah, on credit too. If you ask us today. No, when he, he wait, the next time you got out of line, you got another one. Yeah, probably. He didn't so. give it. He I, didn't I don't put, remember. But I'm telling you, he, he'd be overreactive. And that's one of the things that is like a hallmark of my dad in particular is he strikes first, asks questions later. And I've seen, my dad is on the aggressive side. I've seen him 
before guns and all that stuff. Like he was legitimate old school fisticuffs. Let's take a quick break. As a black professional, I faced many challenges inherent to contemporary America. I had to fight to secure my place and fulfill my dreams. Underestimated, a CEO's unlikely path to success is my story. Whether you are a young person of color, a rising leader in your organization, or someone who may feel a little bit lost, there is a path forward that is built on grit, determination, perseverance, and drive. I've dedicated my career to developing my leadership skills and then coaching others towards success. In Underestimated, you can follow my unique path, uncovering business and life lessons that can help anyone realize their dreams. You can order Underestimated wherever books are sold and find more information at donaldthompson.com. Now, back to the show. And on the flip side, the positive is I didn't drink alcohol. We're having some bourbon here today. I didn't drink alcohol when I was 40 years old. And people are like, oh, man, you're lying. You're like, nah. My dad had a couple rules. Be home by midnight. This was in high school, and as I said, be home by midnight. He said, no drinking and driving, and keep your grades above a B. He said, if you want to be an a, a student, that's up to you, but if you can do above a B, that's like, I don't want to hear about anything less than that. If you do these three things, me and you are good. Home by 12, because nothing good happens for young people after midnight. True. Nothing good. You should have all your fun. Be home by midnight. No drinking and driving. No alcohol in your car. And then keep your grades up. And... People were like, no, nah, no, nah, you got to drink. I was like, no, nah. peer pressure is not stronger than my dad. And I just wasn't interested in being on the wrong side of that guy. So tell me what happened. Uh, I know there was a, an infamous incident whenever you first got a, a one of your teenage cars <laughs> that a, a kid happened to, uh, to, to light up a, a cigarette. Yeah, we were in Greenville, North Carolina. Um, Memorial Boulevard is a pretty... Good size strip in Greenville. And I don't remember the guy's name. It was a long time ago, but I remember him lighting up a cigarette, and I pulled on the side of the road. I said, "You got to get, the, you got to get out of my car." <laughs> and, uh, and he was like, "What are you talking about?" I said, "You got to get out of my car." My dad only has a couple of rules: and smoking and drinking. And the car is one of them. You got to get out. He was like, "Man, you quit, man, you quit playing." I was like, "I don't think you understand. We discussed this. You still lit up in my car. I'm not walking, but you are." You got to get out of my car, because like, like I knew that associates came and went, right? I had a handful of close friends, but I wasn't willing to let anyone mess up my role. My parents worked hard; they were middle class at that point. I knew when they were struggling before that, and for me to have a car that I could drive, and all I had to do is work and keep gas up. I helped out with a little bit of the insurance because I would work part time and stuff like that. I just knew it was a blessing. So if I had clear rules. I wasn't interested in your reasons why I was breaking those rules. And so, yeah, I put them out. Yeah. In the 80s, we were so, <laughs> I remember, I mean, we were just, your car was your one place to like be yourself, get out from under people's thumb and, and so scared about the police and like, and, I, and I'm a white guy. I mean, so for listeners out there, I'm a white guy. And ton, so as a, as a black, you've got extra problems. Yep. Just being in a car that, that I never had, to, and, and we were scared shitless and let of a, cops. And let I mean, alone do anything that yeah. you, know, you shouldn't have been doing at a, at a young age. And I, I was very fortunate as a youngster in the things that my parents provided for me. And I, I'll, I'll tell a story that's different than this, but 
it's why I respect my dad and my mom so much. And this was in Pittsburgh, and this was not the time where he was a big shot coach at Pittsburgh. This is when they got fired. Because, see, in big-time college athletics, right, you're a superstar, people are buying you dinner, and you have the wrong number of losses in the in wins and losses. They get those things inverted, right? You get fired. Yep. And so, and you always get fired around Christmas. Once <laughs> you think about it, like, you yeah. always get fired around Christmas. And so... My dad lost his job at the University of Pittsburgh. They, they let, let him go and let a couple other folks go. Like, it was not great. And, you know, names in the papers. You got to go to school. You got to finish up school after your dad gets fired. Like, it's mm -hmm. not. There's some not cool parts of this. But anyway, I knew during that period of time, I knew he was a great coach. I knew he was going to land on his feet. We'd figure something out, all that. I wasn't scared about that. But I knew that Christmas was going to be like, and I got it. I mean, like, I had prepared myself. I knew it was going to be light because— Not quite Charlie Brown Christmas, not, but, but not but, but not, not bountiful. That's right. It's going to be <laughs> bountiful and love, yeah. and that's about it. That's right. It was going to be light. <laughs> it was going to be light Christmas. You know what I mean? And I remember before they got fired, kind of talking about what I wanted for Christmas, stuff like that, and it was this boom box, right? And if you remember the time when I'm a young kid, man, and the rap game was coming up, yep. right? And, and you got a boom box with a dual cassette. Oh, yeah. That's a big thing, right? So you got the cassette and you could make your old mixtapes and stuff. Like, this was mm -hmm. real stuff. And then it had the hydraulic eject. Yep. So now, you hit the eject button. Now, it was smooth. <laughs> it didn't just pop <laughs> out. Pop out and make was, a noise. It was, it was mm. smooth. Like a little whisper. Like a whisper. <laughs> and, then, and then the one I wanted had the detachable speakers. Mm. So now, if I'm carrying the boom boxes all together, one unit. But if it's in my room, I put one on the dresser, I put two speakers on the side. Like, this is what I wanted for Christmas, right? And so when he got fired, I knew my boombox <laughs> was in jeopardy, right? And I was good with that. Your boombox went with Pitt's uh, six and seven record. Yeah, exactly there. right. I was good with that, <laughs> right? I was good with that. That boombox still appeared under the tree. And I knew it wasn't Santa Claus that got me that. And I knew that extra little bet that my mom and dad had to do for that thing that I wanted, that they wanted to give me that little piece of joy. Those are things that I never forgot. It was not about that material thing. I don't know what they didn't do to give me that smile on Christmas. I, I don't know. But I know that's the kind of parents that I had, and that's why I have privilege. People talk a lot about white privilege and this, that, and the other, and I don't really think about it like that. I think we all have privilege, which creates responsibility that we have. I'm different than most, not better than anyone else, different than most, in that I understand, appreciate, and am thankful for my privilege. I have some things that were against me. I'm a black man in America. There's some shit that comes with that. What? You would, are you sure? Yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, seven times blue lights behind me, sure. But... There are things that were done for me by my parents, by people that came before me that I just, I try not to forget as I work through and walk through, you know, this thing that we call life. Thanks for joining us this week on High Octane Leadership. I hope that you enjoyed those stories. And if you'd like more, check out Underestimated, a CEO's unlikely path to success. You can get that wherever books are sold, we really appreciate you listening. If you'd like more information about Don, you can always go to his website, donaldthompson.com, or connect with him on LinkedIn. Until next time, have fun. Yeah.